All right, fellas. Well, we got to talk about manscaping. You got to have the right tools to take care of the family jewels. And Manscaped has you covered when it comes to that. 20% off your entire purchase plus free shipping when you use the code DNVR20. They've redesigned the electric trimmer. They spent 18 months per perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created. And let me tell you, folks, if you haven't used the correct tools for that job. Once you do, you'll wonder why you ever weren't using a Manscaped trimmer. So make sure you hit up Manscaped. Make sure you use the code DNVR20 to get free shipping and 20% off your entire purchase. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Go to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. There's never been a better time than right now to further your education, that, that degree that you've been wanting to get. I can't think of a better time to jump in and start taking care of that right now. They've got 40-plus online hybrid programs and 750 total classes so make sure you head to msudenver.edu slash online good morning gentlemen good morning you guys ready to educate the people uh, what we did not educate yesterday at msu denver <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes i mean uh, they're definitely ready to educate the people i i, I think uh, we were joking about this yesterday that uh, uh if msu denver ever wants to offer like a draft course or a broncos history course we're the guys to do it. Yeah. Uh, seems like that might be a little too much of a cop-out class. <laughs> hey, I took bowling when I was in college. I took golf when I was in college. Wow. Uh, it's, okay, it's okay to have these one-credit throwaways that are just, I would argue, learning a, learning a life skill, but okay, fun. I, yeah, uh, I, I took a guitar class and a singing class. Wow. Well, Harvard of the West, where I went, they didn't offer those those easy classes. Oh guys. my god! What's the easiest class you took? <sighs> Probably, uh, you know, philosophical thinking. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Can't even name one off the top of my head. Oh man, I'm so glad oh, I didn't go there. <laughs> I wouldn't have made it. Um, okay, couple things that I want to talk about with you guys today, and. The first one, I feel like um, I need a boat horn ready for this one because Albert Breer came out. Uh, no, no, is that too, it? Too early. Too oh, early. okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Albert Breer came out yesterday and said that the Broncos are a team that is vigorously trying to trade up in the draft, but not for a wide receiver mm. or a tackle. And this is where I go. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> Because that go. is the official sign that we have entered smokescreen season. <laughs> so you're not buying it. No, I'm not buying it. 
No, smokescreen season uh, came late this year. Uh, I think the groundhog like saw his shadow or something, because I I haven't been hearing a lot of these types of reports recently until about yesterday, and that's what uh, inside two weeks to the draft. So uh, smokescreen season, a late arrival. Smokescreen season usually starts at the league meetings, and that's why it's been delayed because inevitably over cocktails at the Arizona Biltmore, the breakers, Palm beach, there's that big, you know, that, that, that big cocktail part of the NFL has on Monday night of the league meetings. Inevitably you learn a few things and some of the disinformation, the deflection, the desire to distract and deceive other teams starts going out there. And, uh, that's why it didn't happen as early this year as it's or, or it didn't happen as as early this year as in past years. That said, I mean everything about that particular report it just it read like smokescreen to me and at this time of year I believe nothing. That's so just ev- that's a good way to go about it. So that's believe what me. I was going to ask you guys, what part of this don't you guys believe and Mace it sounds like you don't believe anything of it. So the the trading up and that if they were to trade up for a tackle, Ryan, are, are you on the same page with that? You don't believe uh, anything? No. So I actually think – I was trying to think, why would you want to float this? Why would you want teams thinking this? And I don't necessarily think it's just to well, – it could be just to make teams pay more to trade up to where they think you might want to trade up. You know, you're just trying to – but you might end up, like, benefiting the Raiders in that situation or something. So sure. to me – you are hoping that teams think you want a tackle so that they don't feel so, so that teams who are want a receiver don't feel like they have to jump you. That's, that's my best educated guess here as to if you were throwing out a smoke screen, what would it be? Okay. You're saying, Hey, we really want to trade up to get a tackle. So the teams that are behind you, if they believe you, which they'd be idiots to believe that in the first place, but there are a lot of idiots in this world. Um, then they're saying, okay, so the Broncos are trying to get up to nine. Well, that's got to be for Tristan Wirfs. And we're sitting back here hoping to get Jerry Judy. So we just got to get to 10 to get in front of the Raiders or whatever. You know you know what I'm saying. Um, so that is my best educated guess as to why you would float this. It wouldn't make any sense to me to let the information get out if you were actually trying to just trade up for a tackle that can only be detrimental to you in the, in the long run. So that's my best guess at what they're trying to pull off here. Well, and then also on top of that, not, not only do you get teams thinking that, that they can sit back for a wide receiver, but then you have teams uh, that maybe want to tackle that, that are just behind you that start jumping you to get a tackle. Uh, and then what does that do? Well, if you really want a wide receiver, then it pushes wide receivers down the board. But guys, well, first, wouldn't it be fun to be John Elway or, and to be in his inner circle and just be able to leak totally false information and, and just mess with people? Wouldn't that be a blast? It would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, you know, the, the draft day movie, which Zach and I committed to watching, was that two drafts ago? Yep, two, two drafts, drafts ago. ago. Wow. It's been many years, my friend. Um, <laughs> That's a good movie, but wouldn't there be? Would, couldn't you think of like a better movie that almost had more of like a heist style uh, theme to it, and like it starts at the owners' meetings, and like the GM is like pretending to get hammered, and then pretending to like accidentally slip information to a fellow team, and he thinks, and like the other team thinks, oh man, you know, 
Elway got hammered last night and told us they are they're just obsessed with Tristan Wirfs. And then like Elway didn't even have a sip of alcohol and he like laughs his way back and he's like, you know, he's just like playing puppet master through the draft process. There's a better movie to be made, but the NFL would never allow its branding to be used on it. <laughs> You'd right. have to come up with some fictional football league. If if I ever write a book about football, it will probably be about some uh, whacked out name like the National Football Association or something like that. Because if it ever got turned into a movie, or it, I just, I just want to mess, I just want to mess around with name, nicknames and everything else, but um, and but avoid any potential copyright infringements. Because the reality, I don't think it, the the NFL really wants people to know just how much, just how much alcohol goes down at these things. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it at the combine. It, it it happens at the league meetings as well. It's you know, it's pretty wild. Most football coaches are drinkers. <laughs> Most. Not all. Not all. Certainly not all. That is for <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So anyway, I feel like, you know, that would be a, a good plot there. But you're right, Zach. It would be fun to just kind of, you know, try and uh, try and play the game as well as you can. So if the Broncos are trying to trade up, well, does anyone here believe that they're trying to trade up for a tackle? It's not crazy to no, me. Not. I mean, what what are the two positions that we've said that they they are probably really targeting or that we would target in the first round? It's wide receiver, of course, and tackle. And when we've done our two mock drafts, and we'll do another one today, when we've done those, it's, you know, Mekhi Becton is the tackle that's falling there. Some people uh, in the mock draft would love it. Some people would hate that if that was the pick. So uh, if the Broncos aren't in love with Mekhi Becton, then yeah, I, I could see them wanting to trade up for a tackle, but at least where we are, that just, it's not the sexy move. And, and I feel like when you trade up, it's typically for the sexy move, right? It could be. I mean, I just, yeah, you want it to be, that's for sure. At least from our perspective, but I can see a scenario where that's the case. I just don't understand how that information would leak if it was the truth. Unless it's leaking from somebody else. Right. Oh. Another team saying that, oh, you know what? Yeah, the Broncos called us about uh, this guy. And the, but then again, the Broncos in that, in that, let's say they called a team inquiring and uh, maybe they told that team that, okay, yeah, that we're looking at the tackles, but maybe that itself was a smokescreen. I mean, it's smokescreen upon smokescreen upon smokescreen at this time of year. Yeah, yeah why, why would the Broncos – yeah, and why would you give up that information? Yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, technically, let's say you're trying to trade up to eight with the Cardinals. The Cardinals want tackles mm -hmm. in this situation. So you're telling them, hey, we want up to eight, but we're not going to take a tackle. We're going to take a wide receiver. If you do that, then aren't they feeling a little bit more comfortable with moving back to 15? So then now they can start pegging spots. Okay, well, we know the Broncos at eight are going to take a wide receiver. You know, I could assume, I could assume those type of conversations do happen on these calls. Well, and the other thing is, like, let's say pick nine is the flashpoint. What do we expect at pick 10? Cleveland tackle, right? Mm -hmm. So – Look, if, if hypothetically the Broncos are having a conversation with the Jaguars about number nine, which actually 
it does make some sense if the Jaguars really are looking at C.J. Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida, that can probably move down a little bit and still be able to get him. That it may it may even be an example of the t- the Broncos not revealing anything, but a team putting two and two together and saying and knowing, yeah, Cleveland's going to go tackle. The Jets might go tackle at eleven as well. So obviously, this must be for a tackle. Makes sense. Right? Right, and according to Breer, um, it doesn't seem like he was just, you know, he heard from the Broncos that they were trying to move up because he he said they were pretty pointedly investigating trading up in the first round, which to me well, would, if I'm doing my best guess, would mean that he's talked to multiple teams ahead of the Broncos who have said, yeah, the Broncos have called us in order for him to use those kind of hard of words uh, for that, which is which is interesting. And, you know, maybe every team right now is calling. Maybe John Elway, just instead of three days before the draft, he just decided, I'm going to do this two weeks before the draft and investigate. And then leading up to the draft, every team's going to do the same thing. But I would imagine uh, he's called multiple teams if that's really the case. So there's another report out there. It's funny how these things go. There's (laughs) just you know, there's a report for everything. All right, I guess this isn't a report. This is a mock draft from Mel Kuyper, which I believe just dropped today. Maybe it was yet last night. I, I first saw it this morning. And said mock draft has the Broncos selecting wide receiver at 15. But it's not Jerry Judy. It's not Henry Ruggs. It's uh, not CeeDee Lamb. Oh, it's not Denzel Mims. Mm. It's not Jalen Rager. Ah. Justin Jefferson is the name that he has at 15 for the Broncos. And he says that this is the big riser among the wide receiver group right now. He's the guy that teams are starting to fall in love with. And it should be noted that this comes in conjunction with Mike Kliss reporting that the Broncos wide receiver board looks different than most. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, I've been thinking a lot about him the past couple of days because I just got this feeling that, you know what, maybe he is the Broncos pick, but not at 15. I think he's a trade back guy now with what Mel Kuyper said about him, him being that big riser. If the other three are gone, then you, you may have to take him at 15. And guys, mm, I, I wouldn't really like it, especially, especially at 15. Uh, to, to me, he's you know how we talked about Jerry Judy maybe not being truly truly elite uh in one like sexy category like Henry Ruggs is is elite in speed Justin Jefferson is is a poor man's Jerry Judy where there's nothing that that he does elite in my mind um and that's just to me that's not something that I want uh in the first round especially at 15 it is a poor man's you know first round uh guy that he's in the same class with yeah, and uh, you know you're trying to figure out a comp for uh, for for Justin Jefferson, and you, going back and uh, going through some drafts and thinking, okay, he's a little bit lighter than say a Sammy Watkins or a Chris Godwin, uh, roughly the roughly the same size, a lot of the uh, the same attributes that they share. Uh, that's and you know Watkins has been okay, fine, but uh, certainly wasn't worth the fourth overall pick that the Bills uh, used on him. Maybe Justin Jefferson, the right spot for him, is is back half of the first round. But the other thing to consider with Justin Jefferson, 
he had a good season in 2018. He had an explosive season in 2019 after Joe Brady came in uh, at LSU, at LSU as the offensive coordinator. So you're sort of looking at trying to discern the chicken or the egg here regarding uh, Justin Jefferson. What led to that explosion? Was it the scheme? Was it Joe Burrow and him taking a step forward to being number one overall pick? Or was it something that Justin Jeff wore? Or was it more Justin Jefferson doing stuff on his own? That's the part as I go and watch LSU and I watch Joe Burrow and then watch Jefferson. It's a little tough to figure because they're, you know, Jefferson – if you look at his Oklahoma film, for example, he's getting away from people uh, once he gets the ball. But at the same time, there are a lot of times where Joe Burrow's throwing him open over the course of the season. Yeah, it's always hard to evaluate guys like this. But the same can be said about these uh, Alabama prospects, that True. You know, the scheme makes it all easy for them. You've got four first-round picks lined up wide. Um, you know, the defense is effed before the ball is even snapped. Uh, a couple things about Justin Jefferson, just to kind of set the stage for people who haven't you know heard his name much um on nfl.com lance zerline has his comp as greg jennings how do you feel about that wasn't there a uh, video game little clip with greg jennings (laughs) (laughs) isn't he's he's, he put the team on his back though he did put the team on his back with a broken leg right (laughs) um man i just i feel like solid you know that 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 that's how i feel uh, uh about that pick in, in that comp greg Jen. yeah <laughs> the receivers you're talking about kind of making the comps i mean i said for recently i looked at uh, looked at chris godwin and sammy watkins there's even a little bit of a tory smith if we go back to the early 2000s and greg jennings greg jennings was he he, he was terrific back in 2010 catching a lot of passes from Zach's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, as the Packers won the Super Bowl. Rodgers was lucky to have him. Oh, man, alive. (laughs) But the thing about Greg Jennings, as good as he was at his peak, was he ever somebody that you feared? And I think the types of receivers that you're making the comp to that that I'm kind of – you know who looking you know at who, looking at him and comparing him to these are they're good receivers but they're not receivers that you fear and to me that's the difference between say a Henry Ruggs and a Justin Jefferson is that Henry Ruggs you're going to have to fear him. You know who was feared? Darren Sharp, <laughs> one of the hottest hidden safeties in the league. Uh, he's feared, but for different reasons entirely. Uh, um, Fortunately, he's behind five yards. Yeah, that guy's behind bars now, thankfully. Uh, I, yes. I don't think Mace understands this, no. this old no, school I YouTube don't. video that we're referencing. <laughs> okay, uh, 6'1", 202 pounds, 33-inch arms, 4'4", 3 at 40-yard dash. You know, that was the big thing for Justin Jefferson at the Combine is people were worried, is he going to be a 4-5 guy? If he was a 4-5 guy, this conversation would be over. Um, he wouldn't have been in these, in these first-round conversations. But the 4-4-3 came in which gave people confidence. And my favorite thing about him, I shared it the last time I was on the podcast, is what I heard about his eyes. Um, he is one of the few people who doesn't have a dominant eye or has two dominant eyes, however you want to look at it. And uh, someone actually uh, uh, in the DNVR lounge the other day gave me a quick way to test which of your eyes is dominant. So you take your fingers like this, right? And you make that little tiny 
and then you you center something so like you could like center Zach's left eye then if you close your left eye and it's still centered then that means your right eye is dominant if you close your right eye and it's still centered then that means your left eye is dominant fascinating Mace I think you're holding it too you're holding the circle too close to your face you got to look through the little this little guy the little diamond I can't close my left eye without help <laughs> uh, we really need the visual so, element here so the so if the left eye is open and it doesn't move that's the dominant eye well you've got it centered in front of your left eye don't you no you it's centered it? it's centered in between my eyes oh it looks like it looks like it's in front of your left <laughs> it does eye does look like it's <laughs> no, this is hilarious anyways i am definitely right eye dominant based on that test um yeah i i'd, I'd be left He's, uh, you know, especially with the eye thing and, and, and saying that, and his production was absolutely insane last year. Absolutely insane, especially down the stretch, especially in the playoffs when he's playing great teams. So I can't, I can't discount that. And I'm not saying he's not going to be a good player, but especially with the eye thing, you know, solid. He, he's going to be a quarterback's best friend. And that's the that's, first line of his, uh, his profile here on NFL.com. And pretty much anything you read about him, that that phrase is in there. Uh, and that's a great asset to have. That's a great asset to have, especially when you have a young quarterback. But it's it's like May said, it's not something you fear. I don't I don't think that's special, special, special. I think that's a great attribute to have. And I feel like the Broncos can find that, especially in this draft in the second and third round. Now Let's say take Denzel Mims, for example. Denzel Mims is taller, longer, bigger, faster. Yep. And not as good of hands, though. Not as good of hands. Did succeed with lesser quarterbacking, but then Mims got down to Mobile and balled out. So, I mean, it'll be fascinating to see how this ends up playing out over the years. I would still take Mims over Jefferson. That's me. When Jefferson probably has a, a yeah. way higher floor, right? Where he, where he has, a higher, has a higher yeah. ceiling. And yep. maybe that's maybe part of the Broncos thinking here is that, okay, if we get a receiver, we don't need a receiver one. We need a receiver two. So he can be somebody like a Henry Ruggs who doesn't have all the attributes of a Jerry Judy, but he's got blinding speed, or he can be somebody like Justin Jefferson who isn't going to be as dynamic perhaps as our wide receiver one, but he can catch everything. And uh, we know, we know that he can get 12, get 12 yards of catch that he can move, that he can move the chains that he can do. They can run a lot of branches off the route tree that he's going to be able to pick things up, even though he doesn't really have the same dynamic capability, pardon me, that Cortland Sutton does. Yeah, I just hate the thought of drafting a wide receiver two in the first round. Like, if that's the way it works out, that's fine. But my, when I'm making that pick, I'm my goal is for them to be a wide receiver one. Absolutely, Cortland but, Sutton should be your wide receiver two in the in in this scenario. You should be picking that good of a player. Especially Cortland Sutton was a second round pick. You know, he's worked out really well. But you want to be drafted. But the other side of this is the Broncos. Just a couple of years ago, drafted their outside linebacker two. You know, I realize mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a different dynamic there. You got, you definitely have to have two of those. And you do have to have two receivers as well. But it's a, just a little bit different in that sense. But I, I just think you want to be drafting for wide receiver one. 
when you're picking the first in the first round. Um, and, and one more, I guess one more thing I want to say about this is goes into, and it's funny because I actually heard this before I heard that Mike Kliss at the Broncos board was their wide receiver board was different. And one name that I heard that could be mixing up that board is one LaVisca Chenault. Uh, based on some some uh, little birdies I heard from yesterday, it sounds like the Broncos could be quite interested in LaVisca now. At where? I do not know that. But I think, based on what I heard, it might be a little bit higher than people are wanting to project. Because everyone right now loves saying LaVisca to the Broncos in the third round. Like, that's the easiest take ever. Um, draft a top 10 talent in the third round because of injuries. That's, that's super easy. I think the interest might be a little bit higher than if he falls to us in the third round, we'll take him. Oh, and I hear that. That's exciting because I mean, we are just talking about Justin Jefferson uh, and I believe Justin Jefferson has a higher floor than LaVisca without a doubt, but the ceiling, I mean, it's not even closer. So what if the thought is you get the guy with the high floor in round one in Justin Jefferson and in round two you get the guy with the unlimited ceiling in LaVisca that that combo is exciting but it's because of LaVisca is what makes that exciting totally. yeah and and the other thing is what have you know what have I been saying the last few the last few weeks I love the idea of LaVisca as long as he's partnered with somebody else if he's partnered with Justin Jefferson that's that's phenomenal because like you say, you get that high-end potential, but you still have brought in somebody that you know is going to be healthy, that you know is going to hold up and should be reliable. And if you want this passing game to go where you'd like it to, to give Drew Locke the most help possible, but also make it easier on him to where he can just go, okay, first read, whoever's open, I'm going to throw the ball. Then you do, do need an array of targets. And you need to be projecting toward that. And so, yeah, I'd love if they go first round receiver, whether it's a, it's Rugs, Mims, Jefferson, and then get Lavisca in round two. I'm ecstatic. The, I just have the worry that Lavisca, he's the first wide receiver they take, and that they don't add to that. That's the part that makes me nervous. Yeah, and and, and I'm with you on that. Honestly, like I love Lavisca as much as anyone out there. I, I would still be nervous of what would happen if he's your only wide receiver. Now there's a chance that he's your only wide receiver or your first wide receiver and he still just pans out and no one ever thinks twice about it. Um, but there is a little bit of nerves there. Here's one other thing that was interesting is I forgot to mention Kuiper when he has the Broncos selecting Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs is still on the board at that pick. No, <laughs> no, yeah, so that that's a little crazy to me. Like, if you were able to get Rugs and Lavisca at fifteen and forty six, and maybe you did jump back into the first round and got, I don't know, Lloyd Cushenberry at thirty one, or uh, maybe you got whatever tackles left on the board there. That's that's a lot more exciting to me. It, but to go Jefferson, offensive line Lavisca like in that three pick sequence, I just would be saying, why didn't you go? offensive line first and then if Jefferson was still there at 31 you take him there if he's not then maybe you go Mims or someone else but again you know one thing that we often I think overlook in these processes is that they just might not like 
a good chunk of these guys. Like, it's hard for me to imagine they wouldn't like Henry Ruggs. But there's a chance that they just say, Mims, no way. Rager, mm-hmm. no way. Don't like him at all. We like Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, and LaVisca Chenault. Those are our guys. And we don't like any other other wide receivers at these picks. So, that you know, it's, it's not something we talk about often because I think we like quite a few of these guys. They might be a lot more picky than us. They might be a lot pickier, and they just, again, might be uh, looking – looking at different things. They're just trying to uh, narrow the draft board a little bit. I believe me. I mean, I've, I've worked for the team enough years to know that uh, there were a lot of times when they would, where I would like somebody. And then, you know, after the draft, I would usually find out, yeah, we didn't like him a heck of a lot, but I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, sometimes I was right. Sometimes they were right. You know, that, that's the thing that happens here is that it is it is such a crapshoot. I know that's a cliche, but it, it really is true that um, you're, you're, you're guessing to some degree. But you're also – I think the other thing that comes into play is a lot of the success or failure of these guys depends on environment and culture and the things you do around them. And that's something that I think the Broncos are improving at and have improved at over the last 12 months. When you're sitting at 15, 15 is such an interesting place, but when you're sitting at 15, you shouldn't choose someone that you're okay with with uh, them going off the board right before you. you. You shouldn't be okay with a guy that you can live without. And let's say the board falls that way, you, you stay put at 15 and it falls that way, then you definitely should be opening open to trading back. And then if you get that same guy at 22, you're like, okay, well, much better value because we picked up an extra third round pick for something. But at 15, you're also in the spot where that you can love five guys and say, we can't live without, uh, we, we need one of these guys. There's a chance one of them could fall to you, or you could move up five spots and guarantee yourself one pick. And, and that's kind of the conversation that we've been having. All three of these are a possibility for the Broncos at 15. I really just can't stop thinking about Greg Jennings. (laughs) 95 yards. Touchdown. (laughs) Maybe you're going to have to look this up. It's great. What is this video? What is it? Like 2000 Madden? 2002 Madden? I think it's a little bit older than that. I remember talking about this when I was a senior in high school. So... Okay. Oh, so it's it's newer than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I think it's about. I'm gonna guess Madden 2008. Okay. And Mace essentially, uh, he throws a pass to Greg Jennings, who breaks his leg <laughs> on the play, but then runs on one leg 95 yards for a touchdown. Oh my gosh! Uh, and he narrates it with great commentary. Incredible. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Wow, I cannot wait to watch that when we're done with this. <laughs> Me um, too. <laughs> I also can't wait to crack open my next Breck brew. You know, I got to say, guys, I think that the RK special has officially gone viral. It's ev- Everyone out there is trying the RK special. Half a glass of Hot Peak, half a glass of Strawberry Sky. Mix them together. Drink it up. It will be the most refreshing IPA you've ever had in your life. What I love about that is then you just have to have another one because two beers are already open. And if honestly, if you aren't signing up for two when you open one, what are you doing? I agree. I agree. <laughs> for me, like just that first, that sound of the, that crack, that's a commitment to four. <laughs> so two, you get two, uh, two, RK two specials. full RK specials. Yeah. Yep. I guess it'd be four. 
by the time the DNVR bar is uh, back up and running, I think I'm going to have the RK special on the menu. Oh, I can't wait to have it fresh on tap. Fresh on tap, hot summer day in Denver, Colorado. Just rode the scooter down to the bar, hopped off, little sweat on the brow, sit down, <laughs> frosty mug, Straub Sky, hot peak. You're refreshed. Straub Sky. Man, I like that. <laughs> really putting me in the summer mood right now. Yes. So shout out to Breck Brew. Another awesome thing about Breck Brew is if you're running low, call them up, say I need a six pack, a hot peak, six pack of Straub Sky, bring it to my door. They'll say, all right, what kind of food can we get you? You're going to say, I want the, uh, the sweet heat wings. They'll bring those juicy meat, nice big wings, and uh, you'll have yourself a great night. So call 303-803-1380. They've got a nice wide delivery range. They'll hook you up with everything you need. Another place that you can call to hook you up with Breck Brews is Davidson's, and they'll do the exact same thing with their two locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch. They will bring Breck Brews straight to you, or if you want something harder, they've got it all at Davidson's. So make sure to check them out. Download their app for incredible deals. Sign up for their loyalty program. And guys, supporting our partners is supporting us. So when you go, whether you go and get the curbside pickup where they bring it straight to your car or you go uh, or they deliver it to you make sure to tag us and tag them when you do that so they know that you're supporting us and they have everything you could possibly need again make sure to download their app for incredible deals and all the information you could need on anything they have in stock all right let's jump into the questions here i thought that was a great first segment so let's keep it rolling with a good question segment the first one comes in from r burley Hey guys, have to disagree with the binary nature about your discussion on the first round trades, especially in 2012. I don't think it's fair to label that a loss because Hightower has been a bit better than Wolf. Wolf was an important part of a Super Bowl winning defense, and we got Danny Trevathan later in that same draft, as, as well as Brandon Marshall the next year. To flat out say we lost that trade is a bit too simplistic of a view for me. I would say Hightower is more than a bit better than Derek Wolf, with all respect to Derek Wolf. And also with Trevathan, if he was, if he did well, but then the Broncos didn't re resign him. They chose to resign Brandon Marshall, but you know, that's you know, a good job on them. But at the same time, I think Dante Hightower, he's somebody who's on a level above both Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall. What our discussion RK was when we went through all the first round pick trades of the Elway era. And, and in, in effect, the trade that the Broncos made in 2012 ended up working out to Dante Hightower in exchange for Derek Wolf and Omar Bull. And I said the Patriots got the better of that. Well, so I'm a big believer uh, in winning or losing being binary because I think it is inherently binary. Um, but... So I think all winning and losing trades has to be binary. I think the Broncos won the trade. Really? What? Because no they, no they, way. Have, they have this little trump card in their pocket called winning a Super Bowl. Once you win a Super Bowl, you can't – Derek Wolf was part of winning the Super Bowl. So The Patriots have Dante won Dante Hightower Bowl. was a part of winning multiple <laughs> Super Bowls. Mm. He's got three rings. But, but that, that's not – Come the, on. <laughs> that, those two things can't be equi so, oh. this, so this is how you could say you i guess 
maybe it isn't as binary as I thought. Maybe both teams won the trade. Because it's not as if, both, yeah. it's not as if you can say, well, if you, if you just took Dante Hightower, you would have gotten as many rings as he got. Not necessarily, but uh, I think both teams can say they were happy with it, just like the Seattle-Denver trade of 2016. The Broncos got Paxton Lynch. The Seahawks got Jermaine Effetti and Nick Vanette out of that yes. deal. Yeah, both teams lost. Right. Now, <laughs> I'm saying the Broncos were the bigger loser, but Jermaine Effetti was the the target of Seahawks fans' ire for the last four years in much the same way that Garrett Bowles has been the target of Broncos fans' vitriol. All I'm saying is if you win the Super Bowl, you there's no point in going back and trying to change things. What if you could have had Danny Trevathan and Hightower? How about that linebacker combo? That sounds or, amazing, but who's who's playing Derek Wolf's position? Who's who's the you, uh, Dirk Nowitzki to Vaughn's or who's the Steve Nash to Vaughn's? And, and that's where you'll never you'll never know because it's a way leads on the way thing. But another thing out of that trade is the Broncos, of course, they traded down and they traded down again. The the second trade down, the Bucks moved into pick thirty one and picked Doug Martin. That's one where I will argue if the Broncos had Doug Martin in 2012, they're world champions. Mm. That's, that's interesting. Because that's, they, they would have been in a much better position in that Baltimore game to run out the clock than trying to, you know, just to, to, hand, to, to hand the ball off to running backs who weren't power backs and just hope for the best. Well, I came around on this, Arverly. I think you might actually be right that winning the trade may not be binary. I think maybe both teams won the trade. (laughs) I will say that the Patriots got the better player. They got the better player. This maybe this trade is like the fifty-one forty-eight Broncos Cowboys game of twenty thirteen, in which you say, "Hey, both teams did really well, but one team got the dub." On one team offense, was just a, yeah one team yeah well. one team was just a little bit better but both teams did really well that day the cowboys played very well that day on offense tony well, romo for most of the day was the equal of peyton manning but just wasn't quite enough wasn't quite as good well lone star bronco jumps into this conversation and says i have to agree with r burley shane ray while not a longtime starter was incredibly important to a super bowl winning team what about the all-time where missed and shane ray held it down what about the all-time all or, the time. All, yeah, all the time. Where was fresh because Shane Ray was holding it down. Hindsight is great, but without Shane Ray, I'm not sure Denver wins Super Bowl 50. The same can be said for Wolf. Is Lake and Tomlinson helping keep Tom Brady and Cam running for their lives and shutting down the run? I don't know. Interesting discussion, but I don't feel it can be as cut and dry. As Ryan says, if you win the Super Bowl, it was all worth it. One it. thing about Shane Ray, though. They were getting equal production in fill in a fill in role from Shaq Barrett that year. Yeah. Again, these and things Barrett, are all Yeah. So these I, things I are all very interesting because it, you yeah. just don't know what would have happened if you take that out. And, and so Lake, with Lake and Tomlinson, your interior offensive line looks a hell of a lot better over the last few years than it has. I yeah, yeah I think something that also needs to to be thrown in this argument talking about Super Bowls, the Super Bowls that you didn't win. Because you didn't have good enough production at a certain position or something, to me, I'm in, in, unless we're talking about quarterback, I'm always taking uh, the the better player. And what I mean is, unless we're talking about quarterback, you know, if you're going to give me a, um, a a Hall of Fame defensive lineman or a Pro Bowl quarterback, 
you may have to go with Pro Bowl quarterback there. So take quarterback out of the discussion. I, I just want the best player. Yeah, and and I maybe I'm looking at it too binary in the sense of if you won the Super Bowl, it was all good. Because it's true that the Broncos probably should have won at least one more during that time. And you can make these arguments that, oh, if they had Dante Hightower on the defense, if they had Doug Martin on the offense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then maybe they would have won those. In the end, what we realize is that playing the what-if game can go wherever you want it to go. And that's what's going to be so fun about some of the stuff that we get into after the draft. Yep. (laughs) I can't wait for that. Count Locula. If money and pride was on the line, how many slices of blackberry pie could you eat? Love the count. Did I have, let's say I didn't have dinner. Let's just say my dinner is blackberry pie. That's it. I'm not filling myself up with anything else. I go six slices. Easy. One pie? Six, almost one pie. It's about three quarters of a pie. I'm going to assume the pie is sliced into eights. Wow. Uh, I guess it depends on how much money is on the line. (laughs) But I think if the large of, if the sum of money was large enough, I think I could at least eat two full pies. Oh, wow. Well, then you'll eat more than Mason and I, because I think I can get about two slices down. Oh my gosh. I can, I can kill a quarter of a pie. Now, are we doing this with whipped cream, Cool Whip, or is this straight up pie? Because that's going to have an impact as well. Well, I mean, I think you would do, you're just, you're trying to eat as much as you possibly can, however, makes it easiest for you. Maybe you, is, maybe you want to do the Kobayashi water method. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. wondering. And maybe, maybe you have to do like three squirts of whipped cream, but what you do is you spray the whipped cream like down on the plate and just let it kind of melt down as you're eating the rest of the pie. And then you kind of like slurp up the whipped cream after because yeah. that'll take up less space. No, but you're adding fat into your stomach. It's true. I'm saying at least two pies. I think I could do it for what? what wow. We're saying like five five G's is on the line if you can oh, wow. two pies. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That'd be, that'd, well, man. How many pounds is that? How, how many pounds do we think a pie is? Because blackberries are heavy. Yeah. The other thing is, do we have a caveat that says you have to keep it down to get the money? Or can you <sighs> refund it a couple of hours later? <laughs> well i mean they're not gonna have security on you i think you gotta keep it until the check's in the bank yeah yeah i think that's, that's oh fair. yeah well, the, so you gotta keep it down have Can't. you ever have you ever done a hot dog eating contest no no and i have no desire to why no j- just curious if you if you dunk the bread in wait zach you i don't think you were in the were you in the discord or were you in the lounge when we were talking about hot dogs the other night Yes. Okay, yes, were, I, uh, was. I, I couldn't remember if you were part <laughs> yeah. of the debate. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> From Ohio Broncos 70. Hey guys, following the trend of yesterday's comment, asking for your favorite non Broncos or Bucks players. Sorry, I forgot who posted it. Who is your favorite non Nuggets or favorite teams players? We all know Zach's answer of Russell Westbrook, but I'm interested to hear the rest with my favorite team being the cleveland cavaliers i have to say my not my favorite non-cav is paul george mace who's your favorite nba player okay well my favorite all-time player is michael jordan um and i pulled for him and i pulled for the bulls and then right after that i moved to seattle and went to a lot of sonics games because i could literally walk there from my apartment and i started following the sonics and then they moved, and so I've been kind of an NBA team agnostic ever since. 
Um, so as far as players that uh, I like that I didn't have a an active rooting interest in, mm, um, I always liked Rick Fox. How about a player that's active? <laughs> mm. <laughs> player that's active. Um, well, I mean, for me, this would be kind of not my team. I, I, I've the more I, I, I watch Jokic, the more I like him. Mm, kind of. A I mean, it's a little bit of a cop out to choose to choose, to choose Denver, but yeah. Jokic is a, just a marvel to watch. Yeah. Um, it's like how you, you look at him and then you watch him, and there's a little bit of how does he do that? Oh, without totally. Because he just doesn't look the part at all. No. Nope. Yeah. Athleticism remind, comes little, in many forms. It's a, again, old school. Um, a little bit of Arvidas Sabonis back when he played for the Soviet national team in the 80s. The Sabonis that came over Active. the Trailblazers. He couldn't, he couldn't move, but when he was young, and he was big, and he could run the court, and he could pop threes, shoot from anywhere. And Jokic kind of reminds me a little bit of that. Yep. Um, for me, I've always been uh, just a three-point shooter my whole life. So my favorite players outside of Denver are always the three-point shooters. Uh, the one that I've just loved forever is Kyle Korver. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to go uh, that Golden State team, and I wasn't going to have any of that. No, I mean, I'll be honest. Before they became the villains of the NBA, I really loved Steph Curry. But oh. then once they became a super team, it, he wasn't fun to like anymore. And then he also got, like, too cocky in, like, an annoying way. I usually like players that are cocky, but the way he did it really annoyed me. So He's uh, my least favorite player. Just player. Not talking about the person, but player. Least, least favorite player probably in, in all of sports. I started disliking them right when they beat the Nuggets. Right, same. That's exact. And the funny thing is I remember saying before the series, I said, this sucks because I'm going to end up hating Steph Curry by the end of this series. <laughs> yeah. And it was totally true. And, and the same thing happened uh, this last year with Damian Lillard. Like, I also think Dam- – I used to think Damian Lillard was really dope. <laughs> and now <laughs> him, yeah. him, McCollum, all, all those guys, Seth Curry, like, I hate them all. <laughs> there, there, are, there are guys that you hate because – Sometimes they're just good and they play for another team and they, they drive you a bit crazy. But then there are guys you hate because they're sociopaths. That's where Grayson Allen plays like a sociopath. He's so, on another level of hate entirely. He's so irrelevant now. And the funny thing is, like, it's not, I didn't even end up disliking Damian Lillard because he played so well against the Nuggets. The Nuggets actually completely clamped him in that series. But it was just the way they were acting on social media and yeah. in the media and the little, like, the way they were talking, and they're so whiny. They were um, brutal on social media. Yeah, they really were. Anyways. Um, yeah. And so, I yeah. got to clarify on Grace and Allen, this isn't a Carolina Duke bin- binary thing for me mm, because of <laughs> one of my favorite players right now is Zion. Mm, okay. I absolutely love watching him. I love to watch – I was – look – Carolina beat Duke when Zion got hurt, but I felt I was mad when he got hurt because I wanted to watch him play in that game against Carolina in Cameron when his shoe exploded. I, um, that was a bummer. I like finesse. So I, I don't get enjoyment of watching Zion or even like, I, I appreciate LeBron, but I like, I don't get, I don't think it's that much fun watching him play. I like seeing the players who can make, you know, the, the touch shots and all that stuff, not just blow by, like just bowl through everyone and dunk it. 
But power's part of the game too, though. I mean, he just he overpowers people, and he's got enough agility to 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 get to get past people. I just I I, I love that he's a freight train coming down the court, and that he's he can posterize you. Try to figure out a way to stop him. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, I respect yeah. it, but like I'd much rather see like a little little like fake with the shoulder fade away from the baseline than like a tomahawk dunk just <laughs> <laughs> yeah i uh i i love zion too i miss basketball yeah me <laughs> too i miss lots lots of sports uh, he too. has in a second question here though he says any chance on a demonte thomas return didn't think we'd be talking about demonte thomas this offseason <laughs> uh he was one of my favorite depth pieces on the team and even though he had that injury that got him off the team i still think he deserves a spot on this team Interested to hear your guys' thoughts. Stay safe, everyone. Yeah, they've moved on from him. Remember, he was he was given the waived injured designation. Then when he passed through waivers, he went to IR. Typically, when that happens, you end up uh, uh, getting less of your contract than you would have if you simply went to IR. And then the Broncos officially moved on from him in January. He's a I, I like I, I like them. Thought he had some potential. Uh, this this coaching staff, these guys, they like Trey Marshall as that kind of young, unheralded, undrafted safety to, to develop. They liked him better than Diamante Thomas, and that's why that's why Marshall's still there. And I think Marshall's uh, going to be a second team on the team this year, as I pointed out on the depth chart piece at ddmvr.com. Yeah, unfortunately, Demonte's just just been replaced. I liked him too. Next one from Vash the Man. Hey y'all, first time commenting. Just wanted to say a few things. One. Y'all are awesome. Keep up the fantastic. Thank Two, you. Manson is the man. Been listening to him for a long time. Breakdown Broncos games when I lived in San Diego. Me and my wife are back are now back in Pueblo. Manson, oh. you know what? <laughs> that takes me back to seventh grade gym class. I had a teacher who for the life of him, when he called the role, could not say Mason. It was always Manson. And so all the other kids would make fun. Ha ha, Charles Manson. Ha ha, you're going to go murder some people. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Man, with that M thrown in there, I literally had no idea who he yeah. was talking about. And he says, three, you got me after being back in Pueblo, Colorado now for a one year. Been freeloading y'all podcasts. I finally pulled the trigger and signed up for a plan. Uh, and I'm fortunate to work at an essential job. Keep up the great work and look forward to the season. Go Broncos. And thank you. I mean, I know for continuing to work, I mean, it's not just the medical personnel. It's all those whose jobs are essential, whether it's working at a grocery store, working at a, working at a plant. So it's not just that the medical personnel that are out there uh, keeping society going at, uh, at some risk. So, so bash the man. We all salute you. Really appreciate what you're doing, and thanks for riding with us. And one last thing, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Uh, hey. <laughs> Yay. All right, from Love Thunder Down Under, the new Colts secondary logo is perfect. Perfectly represents the franchise in the post Peyton era. Why? Because it's a ruinous version of its former self. Sorry, but it looks like it's a poorly kept bit of signage from an abandoned motel, probably somewhere in Indiana. Yikes. Wow, I actually uh, disagree with this pretty strongly. I like yeah. it. Where where they incorporate the state? Yep. I, I, yeah, I did too. I they the Colts. One problem with their overall brand is that there was nothing in their look that's that screened Indiana. There, which by the way, now they've been in Indiana longer than they were in Maryland 
as the Baltimore Colts. So, and Colt is a Maryland nickname because of all the horse racing out there, the Preakness in Baltimore, et cetera. So I, I liked it because finally they have something that screams their home state that they, that they call home now. So. I always look at this stuff and I say, if I was a fan of this team, would I want gear with that on it? And when it comes to that, I definitely would. I would be getting the blue shirt with the big old white, uh, you know, C on there with the, with the state in there. I, I think they did a pretty damn good job of incorporating something that is new while not um, sacrificing the, you know, mm-hmm. um, the the tradition that exists within their logo, right? Because yeah. they have they have a good, they have a good overall look. They have a good logo, but also seeing that reminded me that one of the few bad things about Colorado is the shape of the state. Yep, you can't really do anything with it the way the Colts have that logo. The Saints have an alternate logo with the map of Louisiana, and the fleur-de-lis on it uh the tampa bay lightning in the past used a logo with a map of the state of florida and a lightning bolt kind of crossing each other that uh we can't do that here with our teams it's the only again one of the very few bad things about colorado i just had a good idea but i'm not going to share it on this podcast oh but it involves that it involves that a shared idea we're going to change, change some borders so we can give Colorado a little bit of a distinctive shape. And uh, we're, we're going, to an, going to annex a few counties in Kansas and New Mexico. <laughs> it's funny that you say that. Remember, like a, a couple of years ago, the people of uh, northeastern Colorado uh-huh. were trying to like emancipate into their own state. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, please, please do. Like, <laughs> we'll finally have some shape. <laughs> but unfortunately they they weren't able to pull it off <laughs> all right uh he goes on and says question is rug starting to benefit from quote time away from the field it seemed like at the end of the college season he was a, a clear number two to judy and was going in the 20s now we're talking about him top 10 yes you you think because i i, I was i mean i guess he is rising but it's not a rise that I was surprised about. And it's not a rise that I'm concerned about because I had it in my mind, if he ran a four, three, uh, a four, three, five, I didn't care about that because I had already seen his speed on the field, but apparently some people in the NFL did. Yeah. And I think internally Ruggs was always a little bit more highly regarded uh, than he was publicly just because people knew about his speed and that the Tyreek Hill projections were already happening uh, last year. But what always fascinates me though, is the guys that, that rise not earlier in the off season. Cause you know, Ruggs had risen, I think in the first several weeks to two months of the off season, but the guys that are rising right now. And those are the ones that, uh, have to I, I think I always have some alarm bells ringing about that because here we are we are basically three and a half months from any uh, real football having been played other than the national championship game and I feel like this is where teams sometimes uh, uh, start focusing on the road on the wrong things and uh, guide themselves into mistakes that they wouldn't made if the draft they wouldn't make if the draft was closer to the season and the evaluation was more film-based. So I think that just the longer we get away from the games, the more teams fall in love with traits. And it's not always the worst thing, but the thing that Henry Ruggs has is we already know for a fact that he is elite at something. He is elite at running. And 
they there are very few things that you can determine will this still be elite in the nfl um a lot of these things and 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 i think another one is route running i think that you know that since jerry judy is an elite route runner he will continue to be an elite route runner but there aren't all of these things aren't direct translations the one thing that you know is that if he is just a lightning bolt he's going to remain that and i think that teams as they get closer they just they love that they can count on that. They know that he's going to be a burner no matter what. Yep, it, exactly. They have that in their back pocket, knowing that they, they get something elite in this draft. But for, for me, it would be a concern if he wasn't always high on my board. But because he was always high on my board, he hasn't changed much. But yeah. I, do, I do agree. You should caution some, some risers. We, we've been saying rugs at 15 when rugs was in the twenties. We now we're saying rugs at 15 when he's in the 10. Like <laughs> it's true that we've been on him for a while because we think he's a really good fit for what the Broncos are going to do. But I think that over time teams just fall in love with, with elite aspects of a player rather than the full body of work. Right. Mile high Mike checking in. Hey fam, great pod. Like always, you guys have great discussion and Mace is always locked and loaded with stats and football history, but on this particular topic, I disagree that Elway's past failures mean a trade up for an elite player in the 2020 draft is a bad move. The only way we're looking back a year or two from now saying trading up for CD was the wrong move if, if he gets hurt and never fully recovers and Denzel Mims becomes the next Michael Thomas as a surprise second round slam dunk. Unfortunately, it's hard to really predict these things. But to wrap up my point, the, pat, the past bad drafts don't mean a trade up for someone and the big seven is the wrong move. I don't think we ever said that, that it was the wrong move. I think the, the way I was viewing it was that John Elway may look back and say, every time I've traded up, it hasn't worked out. But look, when I traded back last year, boy, that, that was a brilliant move. And so it could, it could make him lean that way. I'm not saying it's going to yeah. eliminate him trading up, and I'm not saying it, it's totally bad if they trade up. Yeah, I, I just I think part of it is it's just kind of – think twice, make sure that you want to do that. Because if you are borrowing from later draft capital to make this, this move, you might be saying, okay, we're only going to get one guy. Whereas you stand pat, you might get two receivers. I mean, I think let's just say, let's say hypothetically, you're talking about trading up for CD lamb. Would you rather have CD lamb and that's it at receiver? Or would you rather stand pat and maybe you are taking a Justin Jefferson, as Mel Kuyper Jr. suggests, but then you're also getting LaVisca. I would rather have the two rather than the one. So this is actually a conversation that came up in the DNVR lounge last night. But the question that was posed there was, would you rather have Mims and Rager or Ruggs? And my answer was super easy. Um, it, I was all about Ruggs. But Andre said he'd rather have the two guys. And I see both sides of this. For Andre, he was saying, look, those two, you get two guys, you have a much higher chance of one of them panning out. Mm -hmm. Whereas I say, you have two guys who could be very good. But there's also a risk that you just get one guy who's just good, one guy who's a bust. I want to take the chance on the guy who could be elite. And Andre himself has said, that he thinks Ruggs has the highest ceiling of any wide receiver in this draft. I want that elite ceiling. I want a chance to, you know, to be with the big boys because just having a good player, even if you get two good players, 
doesn't raise the ceiling of your team that much, in my opinion. Not necessarily, but at the same time, it's not like Rager and Mims don't have high ceilings. And I think Rager in particular is somebody who is being undervalued because of an underwhelming combine. Yeah, I've never been a big Rager guy, but maybe that's why that's just I, – I, I'm not big on Rager or Mims, so maybe that's just what, what makes this easy for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of with Dre, Dre – actually, I'm not kind of with Dre. I'm with Dre on this. The only thing I, I'll say is I tend to, with the exception of the quarterback position, be in the category of, okay, I'd rather accumulate assets and get more picks and have more possibilities. I'm, there's not a lot of things I would want to mimic about the Patriots if I were building my fan, my dream team, but that's one of them. Well, and I think I think most of the NFL would probably agree with Mason Dre, but I'm going with Ryan. Give me Rugs. I want that elite because it, it's not just elite. How many other guys could be like Henry Rugs? There's Tyree Kill, and you may end list right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even in the best case scenario, in my opinion, where all three pan out to be the best that they can be, you still win with Rugs, right? Because and- you've got Tyree Kill. And speaking of rugs, he goes on and says, speaking of CD, I was wondering why he's number three on your guys' rankings. What do you see or rather not see that be, puts him behind Judy and rugs? I know Andre is higher on him, but what do you guys disagree on? Which of the big three are you drafting in your fantasy league this season? Also, if the Broncos happen to draft CD, we need a DNVR shirt with an actual CD and a lamb on it. Lastly, to wrap up, on the topic of strange food combinations, growing up, my mom would always spread strawberry jam on the top of my grilled cheese. I get a lot of weird reactions to this, but it's really good, and you have to try it before you knock it. Grape and raspberry jam are quite delicious, too. Lots of love to the DNVR family. I have spoken, Mile High Mike. Isn't that kind of a modified Monte Cristo, basically? When you've got the, the sandwich that's, that's grilled and warm, and you have the melted cheese, and you're dipping, and you're dipping it in the jam? Yeah, oh. it's the same basic concept. I don't think it's all that weird. I think that's logical. I think it makes it, sense. Isn't the bread on the Monte Cristo uh, also French toast? Or like oh. maybe it just can be. Ooh. Maybe. Wow. By I, the way, uh, I made some French toast this weekend on the griddle. It was great. <laughs> that does sound delicious. So you use the griddle. Yep. Mm. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, the, Cheese and jam go together well. So uh, I'm not giving you any weird look. And also bread and cheese and bread and jam, all of that stuff goes together. So I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, I I said yesterday, strawberry uh, cream cheese on an Asiago bagel. That's my thing. Uh, That's your jam. Okay. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) What about the CD? I know for me, the reason I've kind of got got him as receiver three is uh, uh, not quite the same speed, not the same speed as Henry Ruggs uh, and uh, not as good a route runner as uh, both rugs or judy the one thing that he has above both of those guys in a by a pretty considerable margin in my opinion is the body control he's very long but man he he makes that body work for him and he uh by far has the largest catch radius of the three in my opinion so you are getting you know uh, uh, Andre uses DeAndre Hopkins as the comp and says he could even be better than him. But, you know, when you think of DeAndre Hopkins, you think of just, you know, spectacular catches, contorting his body, twisting around defenders. That's what you're getting with CD. And don't get me wrong, just because he's three on my board does not mean that I don't like CD Lamb. If he comes, if he lands with the Broncos, that that's a, that's a big win for the team. So uh, I guess, you know, 
it's it's our fault just because we end up talking about the, the higher guys in our eyes a little bit more. But don't get me wrong. I love CeeDee Lamb, and I think that he also brings a very elite trait, which is, one, he's ve- he's a very good route runner, not quite elite like like Judy. But he is he has elite body control. I'm going to echo what you said there. I have nothing against C.D. Lamb. The top three receivers in my eyes are far and away better than, than the others. Uh, and so they're very close in a group together. Those three are, are super close. Judy, Ruggs, Lamb, uh, very slim margins. If the Broncos get any of those three, it, it's a great win. I just like the, the ceilings uh, of Ruggs and Judy a little bit more than Lamb, but that's not a knock on Lamb. And I'll be honest, the lack of production in the college football playoff was just a little bit of a red flag for me. Now, he he got himself open. He should have had a touchdown on one of the plays, um, but he didn't make the play. So, like, it's not, it wasn't – it's not like he was completely invisible. But it was a, a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, I have to go back and look at the numbers. But in that college football playoff game, he didn't exactly, you know, shine and make you say, okay, that guy can can ball out against any level of competition. But Jalen Hurts didn't play that great either. So It's true. It's true. Tater Tot Tom chimes in and says, hi, as a special education teacher to elementary school students, I'm curious, what grade or subject would you teach if you were a teacher and why? Thanks. P.E. <laughs> yeah i mean that would be the best class to teach um you know my mom is a uh, an ece teacher and i think that's too young for me i think i've thought about this a lot i'd either teach uh um uh, you know political science class in i don't think i really want high school probably middle school uh and either math um or something with with uh the political government world yeah, I, I don't know that I would want to be anywhere near a middle school. <laughs> so that uh, that age, that, that's the hellion age. I I think I'd go for high school history. So mm. just to just to circle back, I knew that there was one one play that kind of changed. I believe CD had one long catch at the end of the game. He ended up with decent numbers, um, good numbers. He had four catches for 119 yards, but he had one 51 yard catch. So you take that out and it was just pretty, you know, it was just an average game. I can't remember when that catch was, but I just remember leaving that game saying, man, I just didn't feel like he did enough in that game to, to get that offense jump started as probably the best player on that offense. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. Uh, Locked in says, who was the last receivers who was a better prospect coming out of college than Jerry Judy in your opinion? Who was the last receiver who's a better prospect than Judy? I'd have to look back at some of the draft classes. Yeah, who have some top wide receivers been as of recent? They're not – it's we, not great. The list No, because, great. like, yeah, you go to, uh, like, last year, for example, uh, the first wide receiver off the board was uh, uh, Marquise Hollywood-Brown out mm. of Oklahoma. Uh, he's not uh, anywhere – in that class uh calvin ridley and dj moore uh, were off the board and in the first receivers off the board in 2018 um yeah you know like all around the more you look at receivers in recent drafts man and and there have been some some busts as well you know the first receiver off the board in 2016 was Corey coleman oh yikes for example Yes. I'd have to, you know what, and this is going to be the, an easy answer. Um, I'd have to say Amari Cooper. 
Wow. Even though I think Judy can be better, uh, that's the last time I felt okay. That's a t- that's a top five receiver, clearly. Uh, yeah, it's it, it, someone put out a tweet the other day that was like, "Here are the first round um, receivers for the last ten years," and I think there was like twenty odd, you know, mm-hmm. or uh, maybe even a little bit more receivers picked, and like three or four were stars. Yeah. Um, Kevin White was a name that was in there. I mean, there's some time busts. Well, this draft class, we we compared a lot to the 2014 receiver class. And that was a great receiver draft. The first round receivers that year were Sammy Watkins. He's been good, fine. Mike Evans, stud. OBJ, stud. Brandon Cooks keeps getting traded, is having concussion problems, but has been very productive over the course of his of his career that was a hit and then uh kelvin benjamin yep Mm. so just in the interest of getting the correct information out here cd on their first touchdown drive had the big catch 51 Mm -hmm. yard catch and so it was after that that he had you know three catches for uh 60 something yards that it was just like man you know as lsu was just running away with it he just wasn't able to help them generate much offense. So, anyways, just wanted to make sure, I, you know, there's a lot of big CD fans out there that I <laughs> come out, come after me if I didn't get the correct information. Out. <laughs> hey, I was a big CD fan back in the '90s too. Oh yeah, well, what was your favorite CD in the '90s, Mace? Mm, probably. Uh, oh, that's tough. I had, I had a lot of I had a lot of go tos on uh, on, on CDs. Um, Probably, probably uh, some some REM from like the late '80s into the early mm. '90s. Um, like anybody else that was uh, in high school, college, then I had a lot of Pearl Jam. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> what is a CD? Yeah, you, you you used to actually have to go to a store, Zach, a physical store, and walk in and shuffle through and and. and shuffle through all the cds to find the one that you wanted you didn't just ask your amazon alexa to play a certain song no it was um and and you had to buy the whole album you couldn't you couldn't get just the specific song and tell alexa to play it or you had to actually buy the cd with all this other filler and crap sometimes to get the songs that you wanted oh that's wild yeah I, uh, one cd that i loved was Nevermind nirvana mm-hmm. that was uh that's probably the cd from the 90s that i've you know, worn out the most. Yeah. The thing about why I was more Pearl Jam than Nirvana was I admit I, for, it took me, I, it took me a while to understand what the hell Kurt Cobain was singing. <laughs> <laughs> it's unique. That's why it worked. Yeah. As a, like Weird Al Yankovic had a great, had great, great parody of uh smells like teen, teen spirit where he's like, it's hard to bargle noddles out with all these marbles in my mouth. <laughs> Uh, yeah, sometimes when I listen to Nirvana now, I, mm-hmm. I, I wonder the same things, but I was really into it when I had long hair. <laughs> and you can see we were pretty depressed in the early 90s, our generation. Yeah, very. We were dis- disaffected. Still are. Maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe grunge will make a return now that we're all just sitting in our houses all grungy. <laughs> oh, it, it'll, no. it'll make a return as this generation grows up. Like the, the young, like the, the kids, like I think they're saying that people like, like Charlotte, my daughter, who's seven years old growing up and all this, 
her generation, maybe Generation C. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Shout out to Denver Rubber Company. Tried and true since 1972. And as we learned in the last 24 hours, the snow has not yet left us, which <laughs> actually I don't care about. Like, I'm like, please do snow. Then I don't feel as guilty about not being able to go outside. Uh, but anyways, hit up Denver Rubber Company for all of your snow plow needs or really anything rubber. Call them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Okay, next one comes in from Artie Dollywall. During these difficult times, I think one of the best things we can do for each other is to put a smile on someone's face. What is one memory that makes you smile every time you think about it? Let's see if we can bring some smiles to my fellow listeners. Some of his. Benny Fowler's two-point conversion to seal Super Bowl 50 and knowing we had just won another ring. The day I found out this podcast, uh, the day I found this podcast, and then again when Mace decided to join the two of you, smiling as I write this. Tim Tebow to DT for the OT win against the Steelers. What are some memories that put a smile on your face? And it doesn't have to be sports-related. Take care, guys, and keep up the great work. Stay safe and keep washing your hands. Oh man, well those are some great ones. Bring a smile to my face. Definitely the the, the Tebow to D to DT for the OT win. Uh, another one when I was uh, in high school and Rocktober was going on, and Matt Holiday touched the plate. Man, I just started. I started going crazy in my living room. It was a late game, probably around 11 p.m. or so. My dad was with me, and my mom just runs out of the bedroom because she was uh, she was dead asleep and just the way I was freaking out she thought something was wrong it's uh man when he touched home because he touched home Mace oh yeah. he did what a moment he did totally. oh he yeah I never saw it obviously touched home <laughs> you know the thing that is is never talked about is if the catcher just holds on to the ball the, the umpire probably does call him out but since he dropped it the umpire just gave him the benefit of the doubt said oh well he probably touched the plate Anything? Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, oh boy. I, I mean, I, I don't want to pin the prick in uh, or be the pin prick in the balloon of Colorado sports legends, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I could draw a lot of hate by saying he never touched home and that uh, Colorado shouldn't have had a fifth down to beat Missouri. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can talk about that all you want but again you know with the fifth down they don't if the if the down marker is the correct down no. they don't spike the ball on fourth I, down they just i've heard play. this i've heard this argument many times before <laughs> and, and it's foolproof you'll never we'll never be able to know what what would have happened on but that play it's all in the realm of what if though but anyway what would that done have done for missouri who knows there's a possibility guys that Andy Reid's career might have taken a different path, that he might have, that Mizzou might have gotten going, and Andy Reid was on that staff, and he might have been a college head coach, and maybe he doesn't go to the NFL, and maybe he isn't eventually the Chiefs' head coach, and maybe the Chiefs don't have Patrick Mahomes. So, wow. Quite the what if uh, path you're going down there. All right, well, <laughs> one thing that always makes me smile, might even make a, a tear come to my eye a little bit, is anytime I hear see or think about ray bork lifting the stanley cup in 2001 uh, i'm convinced mm. it's the greatest moment in hockey history definitely the greatest moment in colorado avalanche history and in my estimation a top 10 sports moment of all time yeah how you I, feel about ray bork is how i feel about uh, dave andrichuk of the lightning lifting the cup in 04 
um, when they uh, won that best of seven Stanley Cup final series against Calgary. And part of it was the fact that I was already in the Bay Area when the Lightning started. I didn't care about hockey before they came in and I became a fan. But also having seen they, that they'd gone, th- they'd gone through two terrible ownership groups. Literally, uh, they had one ownership group that was connected to the Japanese mafia. And they had another ownership group uh, that was fronted by a guy who was a borderline revivalist preacher who sold the team at a loss after one year because he couldn't handle it. And that team had been the dregs for so long and seeing how that, how they went from being this fountain of incompetence to champions that to me, that that's what I thought about when Andrew Chuck lifted the cup was that, man, I, this, this thing, this was the outhouse of the NHL, the outhouse of professional sports and look where they are now. Along those same lines, when Todd Helton caught the final out of the uh, NLCS, put both hands up in the air, that one brings a smile to my face, too. There's so many. And and the funny thing is that, you know, as we've gone through this dark time without sports, we've gone back and watched a lot of these moments. And it's nice, you know, it's nice to relive the whole game and what led you to that moment. Yeah, Yeah. right now, by the way, on my TV in my office, I have – uh, the Atlanta Braves in game one of the 1995 World Series, Greg Maddox pitching. Mm, I mean, I just I look up and I got a smile on my face. Is that against the that. Yankees? This was against the Indians. This was. Uh, oh, okay. Before that, yeah. Yeah. It's, they're, what year was against the Yankees? That was 96. And I'd like to forget everything after the first two games happened. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I remember, <laughs> I remember it started off well. Yeah. The, and the, the thing is, they, they, won the last couple of games of the series the previous series against the cardinals and they blew out the yankees in game one i i was absolutely convinced when they flew back to atlanta from new york after game two that the braves were going to sweep they were going to sweep the series back-to-back world series send fulton county stadium off uh, with a championship and then it just went so horribly awry it's so from that's that's my Manny Ramirez snapping the ball over Peyton Manning moment. It, it is uh, so we're crazy. About to me. Happy moments. I know. It's so I know. crazy to me to think that I have a memor- a recollection of that World Series. I don't know why I remember this, but I just remember uh, my dad and my sister's birthday were one day apart, uh, October 27th and October 28th, and we were at a fancy dinner celebrating their birthdays. Mm-hmm. And I just remember, like, I kept sneaking away from the table to go to the bar at this fancy restaurant to check the score of that world series game. I was four years old. It's crazy to think of me that I was that interested in the world series when I was that young. I don't think it's crazy. I think that's awesome. Uh, Yeah, it is pretty (laughs) cool. Yeah, that, that is awesome. Nash EQ saying, hi guys, follow up question for Mace regarding the draft and the scenario where there is no 20, 2021 season. In the snake-like draft where the team with the first pick in the first round selects last in the second round, etc. What is the optimal, the worst, and the average place in the lottery in terms of draft value the team receives? I mean, the value function must be nonlinear, which means that selecting first overall, excuse me, and last in the second could be suboptimal, whereas selecting 15th in the first round and 15th in the second round might be better. It all depends on the degree of convex convexity and mm-hmm. concavity i presume and the function might be even inverting at times looking forward to your answer best that, Alex. 
that's you lost that, me with convexity and concavity. <laughs> that's a heck of a question, and let, let's just go with the let's go with the draft value chart, okay? If you have pick one and pick sixty four, so you snake and go first in round one, last in round two. That's more that, valuable. It has to be. It's three thousand two hundred seventy points of draft capital. But that's not how it works. It's not I know. a snake draft. Well, we're, well, no, the NHL, when it had this, the lost season of 04-05, to determine the draft order, they had a, a weighted lottery based the weighted based on the last three years of results. And this is how the Pens got Sidney Crosby. But then for round two, they inverted the order of the mm. draft. So effectively, it became a snake draft. Right. I'm just saying that one, number right. one and number 33 – He's obviously a lot more valuable than right. seen in number forty-six. Yeah, to, to if you were well, going to yeah, if if you're going to get anything approaching parity, you would probably have to have the team that picked first in round one picking last for perhaps the rest of the draft. <laughs> yeah, that maybe so maybe it's one order in round one and it's reversed in round two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Yeah. yeah. Especially even, next year's draft with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, but even <laughs> even then, you're not getting, uh, you're not going to be able to accomplish true parity in all likelihood, or any anywhere close to it. So there's because that number one yeah. pick is just so much more valuable than everything right. else. Right. Yeah. It's exactly. Three, it's three times the value of the Broncos' first round pick at fifteen. Right. And yep. I think one thing it's, I don't like having the discussion about what if there's a there's not a season because I think somehow some way there is going to be a 2020 NFL season, even if it has to happen later. But if this nuclear option had to avail itself, if there was a draft lottery and it was based on three years of results as the NHL lottery was back in 05 following the lockout year, the Broncos would be in pretty good shape and have a, a much better chance than most of getting the number one overall pick. And then what we should do. Yeah, so I want I mean we could easily do this um figure it out. I bet you they would be certainly in the top 10, maybe even in the top 5. Yeah. Yep. And then they lotteried it out after that. Yeah, right. what happened was uh like in the NHL lottery, teams that had missed the playoffs and hadn't done anything for 3 years, they each got like three balls and then another group of teams got two and another group of teams that were more accomplished got one. The NFL, I could imagine they may even kind of may have, say, even like as many as six tiers and say, for example, if you won a Super Bowl in the last three years, if you'd followed the NHL plan, you'd get one ball. So the Patriots would get one ball and the and the Eagles would get one ball and the Chiefs would get one ball. Wow. That I mean, it's I think it's a moot conversation in the yeah. grand scheme. But if, if mm -hmm. it were to happen, it would, it would give us something to talk about. It would be quite fascinating. It would. Drama, it, wouldn't it? The one thing I do not think the league will do is simply if there's no season simply say oh Cincinnati you're picking number one overall again there 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 would be so much protest to that that I think they would have to do a weighted lottery system well it's not fair because then they get Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence right. they're able to finesse some team and out of a bunch of picks it's just not it's not fair it's not uh from not Tim no sorry from Braun Copeland colon Braun colon <laughs> hey guys i think seven teams are getting new jerseys this year which is more than i can ever remember i'm sure the nfl is happy they can stay in the news with the new draft 
and new releases during this time of no sports. The Broncos are not listed as one of the teams, but if you were a decision maker in charge, would you design a new jersey for the Broncos? And if so, what color scheme and design would you go with? Zach, we'll start with you. Orange, I would go orange and blue. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would go uh, bright orange, bright blue. I would like I, to see them go back to the old, the orange of like the 80s and 90s, so a little more, a little more burnt orange to it. And I, I'm... Basically, my the general look I'd be going for would be the it's not original I know but the the color rush template, an updated Dean logo perhaps with a horse that resembles uh, the the horse that the Broncos use in their alternate logo right now kind of based off that design, and um, never wearing uh, all orange all all blue or all white so I basically I'd have orange pants, orange, orange, I'd have orange jerseys, orange, blue, and white jerseys, orange, blue, and white pants. I'd mix and max, but I match, but I wouldn't ever do all of one color. Um, I would go black and gold earthing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I could make uh, orange and blue look better. I, I think Maze, you're on the right track there. I would, I mean, the little edit that Eric made last week, correcting the edit that someone else made, he those colors looked pretty darn good um and i'll be honest when i play in madden with the broncos i almost always go to the 1990 throwbacks so mm. those they just they have a certain feel to them that is nice if you're gonna go orange that's the way to do it i don't the, the current orange doesn't doesn't feel powerful to me it's but, too yeah. you know what it's too as i see it in some light it's too close to the old buccaneer orange and while I hold that near and dear personally, that's not Bronco Orange. To me, that Bronco Orange needs to be a little bit kind of burnt, a little bit darker. Yeah. It just feels like it has more oomph when it's a little darker. <laughs> not Tim Tebow. Hey, guys, I know we are pretty focused on wide receiver or O-line for the first-round pick, but what is the chance that Elway secretly has his eyes on Tua or Herbert is just putting out a smokescreen about his confidence in Drew? I know this is highly unlikely, but the draft can sometimes be very surprising. Speaking of surprising, what would be the most surprising move the Broncos could do on day one? P.S. Thanks for keeping us up with the world of sports. It seems so far away these days. Cordially, not Tim Tebow. To answer your second question, in conjunction with your first, the most surprising thing would be drafting Justin Herbert or Tua. <laughs> Although, I would love one of them. Well put. Well, I mean, I, that is the bit. That would be the... As they say in the election, that would be the October surprise. We somehow got a negative iTunes review for going down the the hypothetical road of uh, the Broncos drafting Tua the other day. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just, we were just, you know, uh, trying to have some fun, explore an interesting situation. There's literally <laughs> nothing happening. So we went down an interesting road. I thought we had fun with the conversation, and uh, we got blasted for it. Wow. So I guess we can't go down that again. Uh, anyways <laughs> that is most certainly the most surprising thing they could do is draft a quarterback uh and if it were to happen i mean you would send an entire fan base into a frenzy yeah. it wouldn't necessarily be all bad it would just be chaotic now i think if it was herbert there would be a lot more negative reaction if it was to a like it would just be out and out chaos yeah. across the board like twitter would be losing its mind and people are just like in the streets yelling illegible sentences and it would just, 
It would just be utter chaos. It would be. That howl at 8 p.m. would be uh, something else. Yes. <laughs> From LDJ, yesterday's pod was awesome. Ella, you answered the questions in the first segment that I had. Thanks, Ella. Mace, who would you compare Mims to? I'm sorry, guys. I love Denzel Mims. I'm 55% trade down and take Mims and get more pieces, and 45% take top three tackles or top three wide receivers. I love Mims. <laughs> Mace, I ask you this. I see A.J. Green. I see A.J. Green ball skills and agility, but a faster receiver. And I think that DBs will be frustrated when they're guarding Cortland. He's making catches you can't defend, and you're guarding Mims, and he's can't, uh, making catches you can't defend. It would frustrate secondaries. So what do you think, Mace? He's grown. Has he grown on you? Uh, I, at this point, want Judy at 15 or trade down. I'd be happy with Ruggs or Lamb, but I really like Mims. If I can trade down and get him and more picks, that would be awesome. He started growing on me down in Mobile, uh, watching him in particular in some red zone drills, watching him on some fade routes, and then seeing that he had the whole package as well, but showing really good body control. Uh, I really don't want to compare him to A.J. Green because A.J. Green, for most of the decade, has been a top five receiver. So that's a a lofty comparison. But best case, I think LDJ, you got a point there. I'm just wondering it, how LDJ feels about Denzel Mims. Does anyone? Know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what I'm thinking is if something is growing on your package, make sure to check out Manscaped. He's at code DNVR20. But uh, LDJ, if you uh, if John Elway feels this way about Denzel Mims, there's no trading down. You pick him at 15. Um, let me let me ask you this, Mace. Uh-huh. Senior Bowl performance: Denzel Mims or Terry McLaurin? Ooh. As far as uh, I'd say Mims actually better. Okay, okay. But right. they're di- but different different types of receivers though. For sure. And, I just thought and, I was going to be yes. able to end the debate right then and there. <laughs> and part of it with McLaurin was it wasn't just what he did on the field; it was getting a chance to to talk to him and uh, uh, really just being impressed with him as a person impressed with his leadership, his, his everything. Like there, there wasn't a line that there wasn't a box that he didn't check off in terms of good on the field, good route runner, but also good leader, great presence makes players around him better. All that stuff. I I thought that with McLaurin, part of the reason I loved him so much was that he really fit the template of what the Broncos were looking for at that point. The thing that really kills me is that, is the the uh, chemistry that Terry McLaurin and Drew Locke had, and that he was on the board there for the Broncos multiple times, mm-hmm. and they they weren't able to. I guess it was only one time after they drafted Drew, but I just thought maybe after you made that pick, you're thinking, man, let's pair him up with that guy that he was just yeah diamond up all week at the Senior Bowl. And I want to make it clear, this is not saying that Draymond Jones was a bad pick. That. No. He's not going to work out. I think there's I have high hopes for Draymond Jones, and I think Jarrell Casey is going to be the best thing that ever happened to Draymond Jones in terms of showing him how to be a pro and how to be a good interior pass rusher. But, man, I just love McLaurin, and I wonder how our discussions of this draft would be different if Terry McLaurin were a Denver Bronco. We'd be probably talking about Kinlaw a lot more. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one coming in from Flackaholics Anonymous. Hey, guys, I'm all out of football questions for the moment, so here's a random one to fill time. I'm a huge proponent of shower signings 
shower, shower singing. singing. Wow, I was singing, singing to John Elway and boy, a lot of different other things. Uh, shower singing as it's the best way to start off the day with a smile on your face. My go-to song is always American Pie by Don McLean. Or yeah, the Mount Everest of one hit wonders. What are your go-to songs to sing in the shower? Don't pretend you don't do it. No judgment here. Keep up the great work and thank you for keeping us sane during these crazy times. I don't sing in the shower. I may sing when I'm kind of walking around the house. Uh, sometimes late at night, I'll walk. There's a hallway outside of my office in the basement. And if I'm trying to kind of get my mind going, I'll sometimes kind of walk back and forth for a bit. And that's where I'll sing. And unfortunately for me lately, just to try to lighten the mood, it's been a lot of old ABBA songs. <laughs> oh that's great take a I chance really... on me oh my god that's fantastic <laughs> um i have to say i am a devout shower singer um honestly don't even feel like you get as clean in the shower if you don't you know rip off a little melody while you're in there um i i can't say i have any go-tos though it's you know, I like to mix up the set for my audience. Never the same set twice, you know, throughout the <laughs> entire tour, you could come to every show and, uh, and never, never hear the same song twice. And if you have too much audience at those shows, make sure to use manscape code DNVR20. <laughs> <laughs> Groupies. Uh, yeah. Zach got any go-tos in the shower? No go-tos, but I do, I do enjoy the shower singing. It's, it's whatever comes to the mind, and I think that's what's magical about the shower singing. I was singing um, Cleopatra by the Lumineers the other day in there. That one, that had a good shower, uh, shower mm. melody to it. <laughs> I love it. Great question. All right, last one here. Oh, probably not the last one. Uh, got a couple more, but this one's from Montana Bronco. Hey, guys, since I'm in the construction industry, I'm considered – essential so yesterday when i got home from work i was going to take a shower interesting before supper <laughs> while in the shower a thought came to me and no it wasn't about manscaping <laughs> if you were quarantined for 30 days you cannot leave the house or have contact with anyone and you have to choose one of these three appliances to live without what would it be refrigerator stove or water heater Ooh, oh, um, and by the way and by the way, um, I don't think the shower after coming home from an essential job, it's all that it's all that strange. I know my wife before she leaves the hospital, she's taking a shower to make sure she gets all the you know any potential contamination off. Oh yeah. So definitely. in this day and age, it makes a lot of sense. Ooh, you know this what? This one it seems hard at first. It's pretty easy in my mind. Definitely the stove. Yep. Exactly. I, I yeah I agree because you could the refrigerator. Uh, you can eat stuff cold. I mean, I keep my bread in the fridge. I keep jelly in the fridge. Why peanut butter. everyone keep their bread in the fridge? Do you keep your bread in the fridge, Zach? I do, but I keep my bread in the fridge because my cats will eat the plastic bag that bread is held in if <laughs> I don't. You just get a bread I mean, box. <laughs> yeah, it makes it last three times as long in the fridge. That's what I mean. It's like, yeah, it actually, I've never had a loaf of bread go bad in the fridge. I think it depends no. on the number of people you have in your home. If let's say you you're, you're a couple and then you have three kids then a loaf of bread you're probably mm -hmm. going to go through pretty quickly but day. yeah but like <laughs> here and here for example my wife kind of prefer like my wife and daughter tend to prefer things on tortillas my daughter will sometimes have some sandwiches on bread but a lot of times we'll have lunch i'm the only person that's using bread so it'll take me weeks to go through a loaf so that's 
to me, it's an easy call. The fridge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the you, bread. You, you give up the stove. Anything you need to heat up, you could just do in the oven. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Like, yeah. If you presumably, wanted, like, chicken for dinner. You could just bake the chicken. Yeah, and uh, you know, you live without them, but uh, you know, you replace a stove with a with a hot plate, right? Yep. In theory. Guys, you got it. Yesterday, I made an amazing meal just without even. So we had some leftover chicken from like those like chicken skewers that you can just buy. Had to use that. Had some leftover rice. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna just come up with something for lunch. Threw it all. Threw it in a pan. Uh, heated up the chicken. Threw some teriyaki, some soy, some sriracha on there. Mm. Got that nice and mixed up. Ooh. Then threw the leftover rice into the pan, heated it up in there. A little stir fry action. Oh, man. I love a stir fry with some Asian sauce. Yes. I, the mm. crazy thing is, like, I was just trying to use these ingredients, and I ended up making something that I'm now craving. <laughs> I mean, you're making, you're making me crave it right now. Really proud of myself <laughs> on that one. Uh, okay. Who's got the next one? Sir James Radio, new day, new team. Finishing out the AFC West, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs for the jersey collection. Me, For me, I'm going Mahomes. I love his passion, and above everything, you can't deny his talent. Dude is a baller. That was mm. Sir James Radio, mm. by the way. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, first of all, the Chiefs have one of the ugliest uniforms in the NFL. Um, <laughs> so I instantly don't want one of these um oh that's how the whole conversation started about ketchup on hot dogs um, <laughs> anyways i'm going the white the white jersey i don't want their red oh yeah the white is definitely better i'm trying to think if there's any player like i i've always thought sammy watkins was kind of dope um what about tyron matthew he's cool he, he has a uh a, a good presence on Twitter. He seems like a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Mahomes is just the classic. If you want the best player, that's what you get. Could you could you get an Andy Reid jersey? Oh my god! <laughs> from uh, from punt pass and uh, kick yeah. challenge. <laughs> I, I've always had a great respect for Andy Reid. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank here. There's no buffs on the team. I don't have any good cop-outs. Yeah, this is a tough one. Mm-hmm. No former Broncos. Yeah. Mike, hey, Mike Remmers is a chief now. Oh. Oh, as a troll job? Keep it in, in Von Miller's family. <laughs> <laughs> Get his son in that collection. <laughs> I was thinking about this. Couldn't you see, like, the Chiefs, like, picking up Cam Newton and, like, using him as – like instituting the RRPPO or something. Oh, that would be well, dangerous. They, they did pick up uh, from the XFL uh, Jordan Samu, who was a dual threat quarterback in St. Louis with that team that was doing pretty well. So maybe that's kind of what they're thinking as a, a possibility, perhaps. Where did he go to wise. college? Mississippi. I literally can never get out of my head that he went to Texas A&M because his last name Tamu, Texas A&M <laughs> University. <laughs> Man, that crazy. would have been that would have been great. I know, right? Hey, do you do you guys remember um, at the Senior Bowl uh, in 2019, uh, Colin Saunders? He was the guy that could do the backflips. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Out of uh, Western Illinois, I think I'm going with him. Oh, okay. He seemed like a he was a pretty cool dude to talk to that week. 
He was. I agree. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll give you that one. That's a good one. Uh, from Open, you're 75. <laughs> one, the lounge is amazing. Great idea. It's awesome connecting with more Broncos fans in the DR, DNVR family. And, yes, if you haven't gotten in there yet, um, it is quickly becoming one of the coolest places to talk then maybe the coolest place to talk Denver sports on the internet so make sure if you haven't got in there yet you check your email log in to the dnvr lounge hang out in there it's totally worth it you're gonna love it and if you aren't a member heck there's a lot of things that i say this is worth uh the price of the subscription i think this might be the worth the price of a membership right here so uh make sure you check out the dnvr lounge Two, we have to figure out a way to get a guest appearance on the pod by the count. His majestic commentary will indeed give me carpal tunnel as I skim a thesaurus. <laughs> that, paired with Mesa's stats, uh, we will all be learned up, as Ryan would say. Three, Madden 20 question. I just got an Xbox in Madden. Is there someone ever somewhere everyone has their usernames? Would be fun to catch a game with you guys, even though I'm terrible. Uh, actually, yes. I don't know how to get there off the top of my head. Tweet at DNVR underscore gaming and ask them for the spreadsheet because they created a spreadsheet of the whole DNVR family and all the, uh, um, all the uh, gamer tags on there. Four, final note, I got Mace's book in the mail today. Can't wait to start it tonight. Love all that you guys do for Broncos fans and the DNVR family. Well, thank hey, you for getting awesome. the book. Really, that's – it's at one of the things that's really been cool for me the last few days, and I deeply appreciate this, is uh, people that have been sharing that they either ordered the book or they just got the book or they're downloading it to read during uh, the shelter-in-place time. And uh, that means a lot, and I hope everybody enjoys it. And uh, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting my work. Yeah, yeah everyone's, that's, that's... everyone's got a little more time on their hands to read right now, so why not yeah. check out? Tales from the Denver Broncos sidelines. Yeah, it's way too cool. And Mace was just tapping his uh, uh, tapping his chest, showing how meaningful it was to him. And Mace, you sound hollow. <laughs> well, without sports, don't... his soul has left his body. Yes, I, I may be hollow in terms of lacking sports, but in terms of the support from this great DMVR community, I think our hearts and souls are full. Yep, without a doubt. Well put. Completely agree. <laughs> Uh, and one of the places that makes this community possible is Green Mountain Dental Group. So when this is finally over and you need to go get your teeth taken care of, I'm sure everyone's going to be running through the game. I got to go get a haircut, got to go get your teeth clean, all the things that we haven't been able to do during this time. Make sure you uh, check out Green Mountain Dental if you're, when you do that. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush to keep your teeth pearly and white. But for today, that's going to wrap it up for us on the dnvr broncos podcast thanks for tuning in we're gonna go do a mock draft so make sure you check that out too we'll talk to you guys tomorrow you can't stop me cross the plane touchdown <laughs> <laughs>